Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode is sponsored by Agenda 14. Learn more at agenda.com. In terms of education and an education setting, having the, the slide over and the split view and then the trackpad, most of the kids are getting the same experience that they would get from, you know, carrying a MacBook or a Chromebook, right, where you're struggling with 100 tabs open. Here, you're, you're kind of working on simple tasks, one task at a time, or in some cases, if you need two tasks up, you know, you could do that slide over and split view. Welcome back to our episode of iPad Pros. In this episode, we're joined by Marco, who has been a high school social studies teacher since 2001. His class is now one-to-one on iPad. And in this episode, we discussed how school technology has changed since 2001, including a lot of really cool details like a new ability Apple released for schools to remote screen monitor iPads. He started experimenting with iPads in the school since the iPad 2 was released, and there are a lot of cool tidbits in this episode I think you'll enjoy hearing about. As a reminder, this episode is sponsored by Agenda 14, which was released last month. It is available now as a free download in the App Store. I'll have a bit more to share on Agenda later on in this episode. Download Agenda now to get started with one of my favorite apps that I continue to use year after year. With that, here's my interview with Marco. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Marco. Thanks, Tim, for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to dive into a lot of stuff um, with what you do as a teacher, but um, can you first kind of introduce yourself and your current iPad setup? Yeah, so I'm a... My name is Mark Markolovic. I'm actually a high school social studies teacher in a school uh, outside of New York City, about 45 minutes from the city. Um, we're in the suburbs. The school's kind of small. Uh, the high school is about 400 to 400 to 500 kids, depending on the year. Okay. Uh, my current my, my my current setup is um, an iPad Pro, one terabyte, 16 gigabytes of RAM. You know, I broke that rule of you know buying an iPad or buying any device in the hopes that software would be there at some point. Um, but yeah, that's basically what, I, what I'm what i currently using in terms of my iPad. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the, the same model I have. And yeah, I did the same thing because have all the headroom you can possibly ask for with all that RAM and storage. So you don't need to upgrade later. And hopefully people will do stuff with it. And hopefully Apple will be one of those people with uh, awesome apps and OS features that take advantage of RAM like that. Um, we were talking pre-show how I was surprised when I left LumaFusion the other day that my video export didn't suddenly stop and give me an error message. Instead, when I came back a couple months later, it was still running. And then I checked the release notes in the App Store, and uh, it looks like they're one of the few developers that are taking advantage of that new RAM entitlement you can ask Apple for. And if you have a fancy iPad Pro, it'll keep running in the background and take advantage of that RAM. So... We're starting to see a couple apps start to take advantage of it, which is cool. Yeah, that's really great. And hopefully, you know, with the summer and iOS 16 and all the future software updates, so we get more and more, especially with external monitor support and then like some of the multi multitasking would be great too to get more windows up on a on an ipad yeah that's the next hurdle we've got the keyboard and mouse and trackpads so let's let's graduate to the external monitor and do that in a cool way so hopefully that happens uh, very soon here so you teach high school social studies what got you into teaching and how many years have you been teaching so 
it was actually, um, I actually graduated from college and kind of needed to figure out something to do. I was actually going to go on for a PhD in history and, you know, life circumstances kind of just make you take different detours. So I ended up teaching at a local Catholic high school in the city and realized that A, I was good at it. B, I loved doing it. Um, and always remembered all those great teachers that I had. And so this was an opportunity for me to kind of give back. Um, I originally thought about going back to that school, my high school, and kind of you know, where I had graduated from and to actually teach there. But, you know, openings never materialized. So I ended up looking for different jobs and ended up further in the suburbs. And right now, this is my 20th year teaching. Actually, my first, you know, my first day in class with students was 9-11, actually. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we talk about like there are pivot points in the 20 years that I've been doing this. You know, you look at that first first day and we had we had um, fighter jets fly over. We weren't anywhere near ground zero, but the uncertainty of everything that's happening, you're kind of sitting there not knowing what's going on. The kids don't know where their parents are. And their parents work in the city, a lot of them. Yeah. So you had that mad scramble to the pay phones because you didn't even have you know, cell service went down and whatever. So, you know, that was the first pivot point. And the second was the 2008, 2009 financial crisis that kind of restricted budgets and caused some movement around that way. And of course, the pandemic. But yeah, it's been an interesting 20 years. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, from a technology standpoint, so 2001, were, were you guys using IMAX and stuff, or was technology much of a part of teaching, and how has that kind of evolved over the years? Well, so you would have like the typical computer lab that would have like your PCs in there. You might have one room that had a couple of IMAX, but basically it was non-existent, especially in the private school that I taught in because the budget didn't allow for a lot of that stuff. You know, now circumstances have changed for that particular location where I am now. We were one to one, but yeah, I mean, the, those first few years was me buying, and I forget the the MacBook that I had, but it was the big guy, the seventeen inch. Oh yeah, that was my first Mac I ever owned. The seventeen inch um, is from two thousand seven, though. Um, it, so yeah, 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 and so I had I when that eventually came out with the and it had like the cram speaker, the cram keyboard, and then had the speaker grills yeah, on was, the side. It was hilarious. You had the same size keyboard on all models, including the 17 inch. Um, I love that machine so much though. It was yeah, like a desk, portable desktop. Yeah, it totally was. So, but, so I had that eventually, but what I started with was like an 11 inch, uh, Dell computer, okay. you know, laptop that I could plug into a projector. And, you know, those were the days of nothing was compatible in terms of Microsoft compatibility, you know, right. there's no Google in 2001, um, or at least that I remember. Um, Did you ever have to deal with overhead projectors and printing out these like transparent sheets you write on and stuff, or is that more of a math <laughs> room? No, that that was so. It's funny. Funny we had we had so you either had a laptop cart where you put your laptop and then you put the projector, or you had the overhead where you know you would take those markers and kind of you. You would, uh, I'd be covered in chalk and right. markers because <laughs> you, you know, if you wanted to do anything interactive at that point, it was sort of like you had to have these like wet dry erase markers that you can manipulate the the transparent film and kind of even if you wanted to print something to them it was sort of an exercise in in you know torture because you couldn't 
couldn't get any of that stuff on there. And so, yeah, and then, you know, I tell the story sometimes of a friend of mine actually tried to change one of those bulbs while it was still hot. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, because most of the tech back then we bought ourselves. So, you know, you try to find a school that was closing down or another private school that, you know, was getting rid of its resources or whatever. And so you'd scoop one up, change the bulb, and, you know, midday I had to take them to the emergency room. So, but yeah, that that's when we learned not, not to touch those bulbs. So yeah, the, it wasn't very interactive at, in 2001 in terms of the tech. And, and certainly as you go forward from 2001, I mean, the the whole world changed, right? I mean, you have one-to-one devices. We bought, you know, when I eventually came to the job that I have now, we bought netbook carts. We had those little cheapy Did netbook. you ever have a Palm Pilot one-to-one program? I remember I had that briefly for a couple of years. Um, I think it was in high school. No, I, I never had a Palm Pilot. Uh, you know, it, it was funny because a lot of the stuff that I was using wasn't... I, I don't remember any of it being actually interactive, like working very well. So, yeah. you know, it, it was kind of like, you know, when, when I got to 2007, I bought that, that Mac that MacBook, um, and that was kind of the entry point of where things were getting better in terms of like the tech. So you got the... For the one-to-one stuff, when did you start experiencing that? Was it with uh, the netbook cart you mentioned? Is that right? Yeah, so we so we started one-to-one with netbooks because obviously they were... Cheap. Cheap. They didn't last very long, so... And they weren't very powerful, so they were kind of, you know, the 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 parent of you know the chromebooks that eventually everybody especially in the u.s seems to be buying everywhere um so yeah so those netbooks those netbooks were underpowered they were just a place to get onto the network you know go to google use google docs as as steve jobs mentioned during the ipad introduction netbooks are not good for anything Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He, he really wasn't wrong. I mean, those of us who who were living those days, you know, those, and eventually, add you could change the OS to like using Chromium or something and yeah. convert it to a Chromebook, but they were so underpowered. Um, and you would use that basically just for word processing and basic web browsing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, okay. it couldn't handle very much more. So like. You know, you were kind of you were maxing out whatever capabilities there were just from doing that. Um, so you didn't really do much of video production or recording. If you wanted to do any of that stuff, you went to the Mac Lab, mm. where you, you know you would have a few iMacs, a um, couple of Mac Minis, and then you would go to the computer lab if you wanted to do anything that was more intensive with you know PCs and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean. As far as one-to-one, you know, we just had those mobile carts. You can sign them out, bring a bunch of them to your classroom, and then, you know, you would fight other teachers to get right. access to them. So um, how did the one-to-one program evolve over the years? I know you're now at a one-to-one iPad. Was there, you know, more powerful laptops in between you getting to iPads, or what was that process like? So basically, I want to say that I think the iPad 2 came out. I know the iPad Bought the original iPad. Yep. So 2011, iPad 2 is released. Um, yeah. So so I think I think that's when we started exploring because everybody else was doing the same thing and and we were trying to get ahead of the curve a bit. And so we had 40 iPad 2s that basically became you know we we had done our pilot. Teachers were kind of like you know what am I going to do with this thing because there wasn't a whole lot you could do with those iPads, right? I mean, yeah. Those early days, yeah, yeah. Those it was basically sit on your couch and read 
read a book, maybe you watch video, family videos. I don't know who. who uh, yeah, I mean, there was pages and numbers and, and uh, all that. Yeah, there was no collaboration though, and there was right. no, there was nothing, right? I mean, yeah. so it, it was very much intended to be that. I guess the consumption device you sit on your couch. For and, sure. You know, I think I think that's the way Steve Jobs I think described it, right? Yeah, it's your relaxing device where you're on a couch. Um, yeah. Yeah, and enjoying whatever you you know the New York Times or whatever on there, and so so we bought forty iPad twos to kind of see what teachers would do with them, and you know we couldn't do very much, right? So I asked my director of technology at the time, I said, you know, if you're going to put these back in a closet, could I actually use them instead of putting them back in the closet? And so we started to explore different ways. And I just, you know, the challenges back then of there was no management software. And at least I don't know that there was right. jam. Yeah. So you had to right? set each one up individually and yeah. And then you would share, like I'd have to, I'd have to take a, a sheet of paper and write um, codes for the apps. Right. So like, I'd be like, Hey Johnny. Yeah. Like the ethics behind buying apps, like you're supposed to I think in school settings have licenses for each iPad versus using a single account and just downloading them all for free or something. Yeah, because you were because you were actually giving them away. So like you couldn't. You, I think in New York State, I'm not 100 percent sure of the law, but I, I want to say that we couldn't even give them away for free. So I don't know where we were back then in terms of what was allowed and what wasn't. But I mean, I was handing out kids, you know, telling them, "Hey, sign in with your your personal account, your Apple ID, and here's the here are the apps." And so, but that was the world I think in 2011. Right. With, with iPads. So I basically became the one-to-one for my district. I was, you know, using the 40 iPads. And, you know, I was thinking uh, before we caught up, I was thinking of different apps and things that the workflows back then and how dependent everything was on Goodreader. Because you could, you could airdrop files, you can create a shared fo- folder, mm. you could do all of that stuff in 2011. Uh, just to have simple workarounds in terms of how do you share material, and then of course iTunes U was great because you know that was the 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 first example of what Google Classroom would become, right? Yeah. So you could share files, folders, you know, you could do all that stuff. It wasn't easy, but you know that's how I learned a lot about iPad and the management of the side of stuff because you had to be creative in terms of sharing files and doing basic tasks. Yeah, for sure. So iPad 2, what um, iPad are the students using today? And kind of what do you remember when you guys did do the updates? Like, was it every like three or four years you got a new version of the iPad in the, the classroom? So, so we went from iPad 2s till they basically started screaming. <laughs> till they started screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, because in, in most public school settings, you don't get to replace, even though we talk about five-year cycles, it doesn't quite work that way. So buying, the, the advantage of the iPad is that it, it lasts, right? right? I mean, it's it's great. So we went with iPad 2. I think we the next replacement was the iPad Air 1. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the iPad Air 2, I think. Mm-hmm. That was the next, I don't remember what year that was. Uh, Air 2 was right before the Pros rele- were released, so I think that was 2015. 2015, okay. So then, so we went there, and again, we're talking about janky styluses too, right? Those, oh, yeah. Those styluses that have the bulb that you A press down. Finger. You're just cutting yes. off someone's finger and using it. Yeah, that's basically it. And then we had, and then I reached out to Donut and said, you know, could we buy... They had those styluses with a disc on oh, the end yeah, of them. Oh, yeah, I love those. Uh, they were 
they, they were still using the same tech of we're pretending to be a finger, but it felt better. And felt it blanky. felt better, and it, and it didn't scratch the screen because initially it was like, oh no, with this scratch. Yeah, I remember mine had a little red dot in the middle of this plastic disc at the end, and um, I did like that quite a bit. Yeah, and and, and it worked right. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. It's nowhere near Apple, you know, the, the Apple Pencil 1 and Apple Pencil 2, but it, it did its job. I mean, there was the, you know, the janky leather cases that had the plastic keys. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, the, you know, stylus early days, the students were marking up PDFs and books and stuff, or what was the use case for styluses in the early days? So in the early days, it was, it was, uh, you know, so Goodreader had, I want to say it was Goodreader and, and PDF Expert. I want to say one of them, because again, it was like, you forget where we were at that point, but it was, you know, markup PDFs. It was like, you know, if kids needed to draw something or fill out a document or do any of those simple tasks, you basically did it there. You you, you use those styluses. The problem was that those styluses were never precise, so you would mm-hmm. get you know big thick lines when you try to zoom, and it was it was just it wasn't great. And today, yeah, today I'm curious. Uh, Logitech crayons, Apple pencils. What do you guys use them? Yeah, so today, so um, from the iPad Air one and two, we went to the iPad fifth generation that had the I don't think it had stylus support, and then of course Apple being Apple. The sixth generation, it you know it supports. Yeah, it's like, come on, guys, really. So, so we now use six, seven, and eighth generation iPads. With uh, the kids, really don't like the Logitech crayons, huh? Which is which is weird because like I have to remind kids that because they'll be like, hey, can I just have an Apple pencil? Like, it's an Apple pencil, they right? Just don't, mean, they they want to be more professional with the, the yeah. Apple one. Well, but I also think the the Logitech design of it's putting the lightning. Yeah, and putting the lightning port at the back of the device, yeah. right? So like you have to kind of like plug in, you always have to carry the lightning, you know, cable, plug in the back of the the Logitech crayon, let it charge. Whereas with the Apple Pencil, you're just plugging it in, which is what we do now. And I'm like, guys, just be careful cuz now it looks like a, a manatee or no, have no you manatee. Have ever had one just, snap off? No. Okay, good. You know, I uh, hear about I, curious about that in classroom setting. Uh the crayon, the battery life, I imagine it's much better though, right? It's bigger. Yeah, it's bigger. I mean, I don't know that there is very much difference. And you can switch them off, but students might not be good about switching them off, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. And I, and I think they go to sleep after a while, so they're supposed to be conserving their battery in terms of the crayon. But yeah, the, the pencil, you know, the, the pencil, if it was a little more matte, like the second generation pencil, yeah. I think would be better because it would help kids with like their tripod grips and stuff like that. Yeah. But and as far as what you guys use the pencils and crayons for now, is it similar tasks or because it's more advanced, are you able to do more with them and use different kind of applications? Oh, it's it, it's definitely more. I mean, the kids can, you know, they, they were just thinking of a project that I'm recently doing with some of my students where, you know, we share a keynote slide and the kids are drawing and mapping out like designs for a project right in keynote right right from the pencil itself yeah right with the pencil as opposed to you know grabbing dry erase markers and doing some of that stuff but yeah i mean the kids can draw which is great because now everything they're doing is much more precise so it looks like what they're doing on paper as opposed to you know what it looked like 
five or six years ago with the janky styluses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the with the first because we're using first gen Apple pencils, you know, the the pressure sensitivity, some of that stuff works really well. Like yeah, some of the kids will yeah. use it for art stuff like that. Are the kids able to take home iPads at this point, or is it staying at the school? No, they they take them home. We use um, the Logitech uh, Combo Touch mm-hmm. cases, and so they use they they take them home. They carry them around. And that has the uh, trackpad, I believe, right? Yeah, it has the trackpad, which again, it was like you think about iPads evolution, right? And that's kind of in terms of education and an education setting, having the the slide over and the split view. And then the trackpad, most of the kids are getting the same experience that they would get from, you know, carrying a MacBook or a Chromebook, right, where you're struggling with 100 tabs open. Here you're, you're kind of working on simple tasks, one task at a time, or in some cases, if you need two tasks up, you know, you could do that slide over and split view. Yeah, it's more focused for the work they're doing, right? The less distractions, hopefully. Yeah, and now with Jamf and the management software, we can limit some of the things they can get access to, right. which... which makes it an Apple school manager. I mean, setting up school accounts are so easy now compared to where they were, you know, um, five or six years ago. So you have so much more. Apple is finally recognizing that, you know, there is a, a market there to help support you know districts that want to go all iPad. And it's kind of funny because it's kind of late to mm-hmm. where, like you look at Google and you look at, I guess Google, you look at Google, they were kind of, ahead of where Apple was in terms of supporting Chromebooks. Yeah, I remember back in the day, Apple Remote Desktop, um, um, like Mac management was something they had for a while. And I remember doing that in college, managing like a Mac lab. And that was pretty good. And that was kind of, it was, kind of, it was always fun taking over another computer and like <laughs> sending them a message or something. <laughs> yeah, and it, but, but it's also like, you know, for us, because next year we'll be, the high, the entire high school will have iPads, and I want to say that three quarters of the elementary school will have iPads. And so, you know, when you're rolling out that number of i that number of devices, you know, this is where Google had the advantage of all you had to do was turn on the device, and the profile would be there, and all of that information would be there. All yeah. the kid had to do was sign in with their account. So. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, Jamf and Apple School Manager are catching up. Yeah, because you, you said you started with iTunes U. Uh, so it went from that to where you are today. Um, it, it took a while to get here. Oh, it, it, it definitely did. And with iTunes U, it was, it was great because you could, you could, you know, overcome the issue of sharing a file, right? How do you share a file on an iPad 2? I don't even remember what right. that looked like, but. You know, AirDrop wasn't wasn't yeah. You even, had to hook up the iTunes or something, right? Yeah. So File, so was it? Uh, yeah. yeah. Or back to my back to my Mac or back to whatever it was at the time. Yeah. So because I had I had I bought a I had to buy a MacBook Air to kind of back up whatever files I was doing on the iPad. So you know, and I have have both devices. But yeah, when you think about iTunes, you had a great system. You could share a video. You could share documents. You could share. Um, just about anything URLs and get kids to to whatever sites you were looking to get them to. You could grade. Um, eventually, grading entered into that portion where I think most of that stuff now is just in Apple Schoolwork. Yeah. Um, in terms of what they copied. And was it just a natural evolution from iTunes U to the Jamf and stuff, or was there a discussion at your school of should we go with Google Classroom, even if you're using iPads somehow? I don't know if yeah. these were compatible in any way. No, the, the, 
they are. I mean, it's a it's basically a Google Classroom. It's just a window to like get access to information, right? Like, so we were just looking for, you know, um, could we post materials where kids could get access to them, and then we could provide feedback. And so we weren't so much which device. It was more like, how do we get everything online, and how do we get folks to post their materials ahead of time and and come out of their classrooms in terms of what they were doing and and be more, you know. Just, just have more of a presence online in terms of that stuff. So Google Classroom was just a natural place to go because we had bought actually Chromebooks. Um, and the plan was from 6th to 12th grade that we would just use Chromebooks. Yeah. And, you know, the kids returned the devices. Uh, some of the devices broke. So that wasn't great. But what left behind, what was left behind from all of that experience was, hey, we could post our materials online. We could share share whatever we needed to share for our students. And, you know, now that's just carried over with, with the iPad because there there's a Google Classroom app. Uh, the Google software docs, slides, and Excel are like from a different from a different planet. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like the same company didn't produce the s- same apps. So will <laughs> Does your school use both Google Classroom alongside the Jamf stuff? Is it a combination of the, both of those? Yeah. It's, so, so we're we don't really have. It, it's not a requirement that we post. Like some school districts will require that you use Google Classroom. You have to use Google Classroom. We don't we don't have that policy yet. I'm sure at some point that'll come. But yeah, the Jamf side of things is just to manage what apps are we distributing. This episode is sponsored by Agenda, which rolled out version 14 last month. In this quick break, I want to share more about their awesome new smart menu bar for iPad in Agenda 14. If you missed the last episode, make sure to check out the break in that episode for more on this new smart menu bar. In this break, I'm going to share more about the backslash smart menu bar, which is a general purpose hotkey menu bar. To get started, just type backslash while in any note. Immediately after, hit the down arrow on your keyboard, and you'll now be navigating this very feature-rich menu. If you start typing after the backslash, you can filter this very huge list of actions into what you are actually looking for. Here is what is available in this backslash smart menu bar. And I may be missing some because it is that feature-rich, and there is just so much here. You can insert a tag, person, reminder, star, date, time, expression, horizontal rule, a table, a link, a summary, attachment, drawing, template. You can change paragraph styles such as body, heading one, two, three, or four, create a list, check or uncheck or reset a list, toggle character styles like bold, italic, underline, fixed width, strike through, superscript, or subscript. You can mark that entire note as on the agenda, done, undone. Pin it, create a footnote, assign a date to the note, you can link the note to an event, and finally you can split the note, duplicate it, or move it. This incredibly rich set of features is all available just by typing backslash in a note, and you can either arrow down through this list or start typing the filter to what you want to do. Once you learn this feature set is available to you at all times here in this little backslash menu, it gets really powerful and actions that used to take some time tapping or moving your trackpad to are done in seconds with a couple clicks of your keyboard. And this is a feature that is available to everybody, even those that don't upgrade to the premium version of Agenda. So give it a try today. Some of these options do have their own unique keyboard shortcuts, but if you don't have the time to learn a bunch of different shortcuts, 
You can just learn to backslash and filter to get access to all of this with just one keyboard shortcut, the backslash. Get started today for free by downloading Agenda in the App Store. If you like what you're using and want even more from the app, give the premium version a try. You get a ton of power user features that are yours to keep even if you never pay for a premium more than just that once. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. That's www.agenda.com. Download Agenda today for free in the App Store. You use Apple Classroom on top of that for the student interaction side of things. Yeah, and and AirDrop, you know, that's again when you think about the evolution of the of iPad in terms of its use in the classroom, you know, Apple Classroom, Apple Schoolwork, Apple's like finally getting to the place where it's like, okay, people are actually using these devices in the classroom. How can we watch? How can you supervise? Yeah. The great, you know, and, and classroom does a great job because you can see what the kids are doing on their devices. Is it like a live screen of all the kids' devices? I want yeah. It's a hundred. It, it, as long as everybody's on the same network and you have Bluetooth turned on and you've yeah. got all that stuff, it's it live screen. Um, and of course, Apple with its privacy, uh, you can't, you know, you get a little symbol at the top, so you know that you're being right. You're being watched. You know, reviewed and watched. Um, well, kids try to turn off Wi-Fi to be <laughs> private. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I haven't seen you know, you, and it's funny. I teach high school. I teach eleventh and twelfth grade. So we're talking about seventeen, eighteen year olds. So they're kind of they don't they don't go over those boundaries. So they're they're kind of good about yeah. um, you know. I'll just use it for school you know for school purposes. Um, and I know. With the school side of things, you can create user accounts and like a kid can like grab a random iPad and be into their account. Is that something you guys utilize since it's one to one and that's probably something you don't really need as much? Yeah. So each kid gets, and I forget when Apple did it, but each school account gets 250 gigs of RAM. Uh, of not RAM, storage. of storage. Sorry. They get, they get 250 gigs of storage. Um, and uh, yeah, they, we, we don't use the, multiple account settings on the iPad. We just give one iPad to every kid. The elementary school is starting to give Apple IDs to to some of the kids so that they can get more of the features of classroom mm-hmm. and schoolwork. But we haven't really used the multiple accounts to a single device. Okay. Yeah. And um, you were mentioning the iPad 5 didn't have Apple Pencil support. And I just wanted to circle back a bit how aggressively apple did update and improve that baseline ipad uh, you know one year was apple pencil the next year was smart keyboard support and it's like they're just bringing all these pro level features that we thought were pro level down to that base level which was so important for things like what you're doing with with um, being able to use that trackpad and keyboard um through that smart yeah computer. well well and, and it's funny because like i tell teachers who get their device because i'll help you know train the trainers and help teachers when they you know when they start getting their devices it's sort of like if you thought of an ipad from that steve jobs introduction of the ipad to i don't know i don't know how we distinguish this of like the tim cook era of <laughs> yeah the ipad right the, the pro era i'd say the, the the pro era right so it's not the same device Right, you think about yeah, because input method is such a huge factor as to you know framing a device and what it can and cannot do, and um, it's just grown so rapidly there. Yeah, and 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 on the developer side, it's sort of like recognizing that yeah, there are teachers, there are people out there who want to do some of this stuff on their device, 
So can we support some of those things? So like, you know, you think about notability, you think about good notes, um, explain everything. You've got companies that recognize that, hey, folks are going to start using this stuff for something other than reading books or listening to podcasts. What is uh, Explain Everything? I haven't heard of that one. So so Explain Everything is basically a whiteboard app. So you can do, um, so if you had to do sort of like the, the Khan Academy videos of, you know, how do you explain something or break it down, you can basically, you get a canvas. And with an Apple Pencil now, you can record your voice, you can input PDF, you can input websites, you can do a simple whiteboard video recording and basically have the full functionality of, of screen recording right on the iPad. You can bring yourself into the screen. Uh, they did a great job when the pandemic started of giving out free accounts to educators yeah. to help help support teachers. It was phenomenal because you can, you can virtually, you can also uh, share a link and collaborate. So you could have almost like the whiteboard in your classroom pop up on, you know, a student device where they could just watch what you're doing if you needed to demo something for kids live. So and you could use this as an alternative to Zoom or is this something you use within Zoom using screen share? You'd probably use it within, you know, w- w- within Zoom with screen share because um or you could actually from the explain everything you can actually email, you know, post to Google Classroom a link and the kids could join you. Okay. And they could they, they could see it right on the screen because that's one of the things when you look at Zoom on an iPad, you know, I, it's Zoom Zooms, I it's interesting because Apple awarded them whatever design award, and and it's so limited in terms of what you can accomplish versus iPad versus desktop that I wish Zoom had done more to make their iPad app to kind of look like the Mac, you know, the the Mac side of things or PC side of things with with breakout rooms and things like that. Um, I think now it's been more updated to to sort of look like that. But yeah, I mean. So, and Zoom's one of the few apps that has some weird entitlement that lets you use the camera and split screen, which I wish was a more widespread entitlement. Uh, Apple, yeah, it, yeah, well, yeah, because every time, and it was frustrating because you'd be like, "Okay, guys, I'm going to share the screen with you." You put something into, and I don't know if Split View still doesn't do it, but like you would lose, like kids would lose you on the screen. So, yeah, I think they added where you can be in split screen. And the camera still works, so that's something I know works now yeah so i mean having that ability would have been great at the beginning right so you would have to in in my case i had i had a 12.9 and 11 inch ipad because you know listening to different podcasts about the multi-ipad lifestyle oh yeah and and so i would start one meeting on one device and then have the second device join as a visitor and it wasn't it wasn't great right because the the functionality wasn't there and even though there's pro level iPads, you kind of like the software was limiting to you. Yeah, the, the software is limited, and I don't know if and, and Apple has kind of recognized that now because with Keynote Live and uh, you know with the well, I guess I guess well no, and and Apple Classroom updates, you can now see iPads remotely. So if I was in a um, remotely in the same room or even remotely remotely like fully remotely, so remotely at home. Wow, and I didn't. I didn't know this until recently when I had um, we had a snow day that we had converted to a, a remote day. Yeah, and I turned oh, on my. I must say that must be the worst as a kid. You're happy you have a snow day and then, <laughs> remote day. We got to teach you remotely now. Yeah, and well, especially I think it's even worse for little guys, right? Oh the high yeah, school kids kind of you know tune you out and do whatever, but. 
Yeah, so I turned on my school managed iPad and I opened Classroom and there it was all 20, you know, 22 kids. That's amazing. Signed into their devices, which, you know, again, it's like Apple. Why couldn't you do this like in 2020? Yeah. But that's okay. I mean, eventually showed up. But yeah, I mean, even like the schoolwork updates, like they just, you know, the ability to collaborate. And some of it is weird because you can collaborate in Keynote, but you can't collaborate in Pages. Yeah. How is Keynote Live? What is that all about? So, so Keynote Live is is basically the the best way to describe it is kind of adding your video to a presentation, right? And so your camera, so you can, and you can add both cameras. So, which is kind of weird. Front and back simultaneously. Simultaneously. So use case of that you found. Well, so, so the best way to do that was, is to have kids kind of do a gallery walk where they're looking at different material within, you know, the classroom Mm -hmm. and sort of ask them to give, you know, record what do you see what you know? Um, what what do you take away from this particular station as you go through the station and, and learn about the content that you're learning, and get that live reaction where kids could then turn on the screen record and record themselves with both cameras. You know, one facing the 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 poster or the section of the wall wherever you have things hung up, and then getting the live feedback in terms of the video. Uh, it's been great. So kids would capture through screen recording. This keynote live, uh, I'm, you could also, if you're doing live presentations, have those cameras enabled as well, or like yeah. So, so basically, what you can do is, if you think about it, it's like adding. You know, if you if you're doing a talking head video of where you need to walk somebody through a presentation, yeah, you could, like you could put yourself in a corner like that, so kids could record. You know, traditional presentations where kids would stand in front of the room. You could say, "Hey, guys." And gals, you know, why don't you go off, put your camera, you know, and I would show kids how to set it up. And, you know, you could do three to four minute uh, presentation videos. Yeah. You know, so, and, yeah, and get so that the, in. The old way would be using the camera app, capturing it, and then importing a video in the Keynote. And that's all kind of as a standalone file you'd give out. But Keynote Live, instead of importing a video, you just have, you frame out how big you want that video in that slide. And it's just turning on your camera where you can just present in that way. Yeah, and, and, and it's a great it's a great way, even if you were doing like, you know, if, if you think of those um, Elmos, those things that were going to desk to kind of show you what I'm doing under the camera, you know, you could you could put your iPad on a on a stand and you know, record right under your screen. If you didn't want to use the, the, you know, camera app or something, you can, you can do, there are a bunch of different use cases, but again, that's kind of like, and then I guess the other update to keynote was the uh, present in view in the window, as opposed to, was it the, yeah, the play, the play, what was that option? Cause there's another option that was great that Apple did later, oh, which is like the play in window as opposed to play the slideshow and it would take up your entire screen. Okay. Uh, so, so you could have, if you were using a Mac and cause you know, if you use the Mac in use keynote together, take up your whole screen, you couldn't right. see yourself. So with live video, you can put yourself on the screen. You could share the screen, share the presentation if that's something you wanted to do, or if you just wanted to record on your Mac, right? Cause you, you would need QuickTime or you know ScreenFlow or some other app to mm-hmm. kind of bring your camera in. Now you could just use Keynote, throw in QuickTime, and you've got yourself you know 
basically a, a, a low budget, you know, screen recording option. Yeah. Uh, if that was something that you wanted to do. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, key, key, keynote has been keynote is a game changer in terms of all their updates because they've, you know, you can export video. So if you wanted to do uh, uh, magic move and do some of that stuff, you could export it as a video itself. You could add audio to each slide. It's, Apple it's, Pencil is used in some interesting ways too. Yeah, so you can you can draw shapes, you can edit fully any image, you can you know basically take control of your presentation right from your pencil. Uh, the only thing that's not great is when you're in the play mode of you know on your iPad, you get this like this overlay that gives you some pencil tools that look like they're from an old previous generation of like. Apple Note or something. Yeah. It doesn't save any of it, which is like, come on, Apple. Like, really? Um, but again, if you're doing that screen record on your iPad and you need a quick video, you know, it's a great way to capture that. So, and then the 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 drawing of the shapes and going through the Apple Pencil in terms of manipulating the shapes that you put up there, uh, handling the animations of things on the slide, you know, Keynote fully takes advantage of of the apple pencil which is not true of pages for instance like mm. you can't collaborate for some reason with apple pencil on at least i can't figure it out yeah i don't know if somebody has a solution but and how have the students taken to using the ipad was it something they found natural and are they are you mostly using the external keyboard or are they touch typing as well on the screen or how, how have you seen that play out so it's actually interesting because when you look at the $149 Chromebooks we were using, the screens and the keyboards were breaking. So when the kids started to see my, my students carrying around iPads using iPads, they wanted an iPad. So we gave them iPads, right, when the pandemic, mm -hmm. when the pandemic and everything else happened. And what we found is basically the kids, the kids take to it. it it's actually pretty simple, right? Because they probably already have an iPhone, so they're used to the, the OS. Um, you know, the only thing, the, the gesture support, they don't quite pick up on so there's some time there to be like hey this is how you get two apps going yeah here's the dock here's how you put things in the dock has the new multitasking menu thing up top has that been easier to teach how to do multitasking or is it more yeah i mean it's it's i, I kind of wonder if that's why apple put it there if that was for the younger guys you know the, the the high school students and the elementary school students who would need to know that that's where it is because if you're coming into the ipad having not used previous versions you don't know that the gesture support even exists yeah so having that having that menu up there is great because you can you know you could just hit it it'll move the screen and some of the kids forget that it's there but you know so you go from that $149 device to the $299, $249, I don't know what the education pricing is. Yeah. Right? The kids the kid the the you know the the kids love the iPad because they've got Apple Pencil support, they've got the keyboard when they want it. I tell the kids to take the keyboard off and just use the pencil, right? Yeah. Like just the the pen the pencil changes the whole interaction. Is Scribble something you guys use at all, or is it too slow and inaccurate for uh, you or your students? Yeah, it's it's too slow. Yeah, it's too slow. And I, I think part of that, and 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 I know Windows. I haven't used a Windows machine in a while, but I know that on the on the surfaces, I think you can use Microsoft's you know the tool, the the pen tool, and it'll convert quickly. I don't know what the difference is. Why Apple's can function that way. Yeah, I find it useful only for like single word queries or like single word things where I'm maybe chapter notes for a podcast, uh, chapter titles, I mean, where it's just a couple words or something like that. Yeah, like, I, I wish there was, I wish it was faster. Some of the kids don't realize that 
they can scribble when they're searching for something. And yeah. so there's like, hey, guys, gals, like you just, just scribble. You don't have to actually type because they'll grab the keyboard and reconnect and then type it out. And like, no, no, you could just use use the functionality. But again, that's the, I think the evolution of the iPad is kind of segmented. You know, some of these things that have, have come later, that if you're, a different iPad user, you don't either know that some of it exists or yeah, and you also have the the floating iPhone keyboard that's good for uh, the quick type uh, swiping stuff. Yeah, and and that's actually great because the kids, you know, the kids already use whatever it is on their on their iPhones, right? The, yeah, they're swipers probably. The, yeah, definitely. But the but again, you don't even know if that exists if right? you're. Yeah, you if you're not know. getting that training, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, like, like, like I tell folks who, who come to the iPad now, it's like, don't use, you know, the 2010, 2011 version of that to guide what you're doing with this device, because this device is not the same, is not the same. You know, I, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I remember before I got my first Mac in 2006 or seven. I'd subscribed to Macworld for like a year and was just geeking out and just become obsessed with like all the little intricacies of the Mac even before I owned it. And I kind of feel like that's a thing that sadly, like you kind of need a, you kind of need a geek out for a little bit to just learn all the intricacies of a computer. Yeah. And, and but you also need the, the simplicity of the OS. And I think this is where, you know, cause when the pandemic, I went back to the Mac and it was like all the things that I hated about a desktop just materialized, right? Like yeah. you have multiple, you have 14 windows open, you've got, You've lost track of where the windows are because even on macOS, you don't have great window placement. So you're kind of like, did I open Safari? Did I open Docs? Where did pages go? And so the great thing, and, and you know, the great thing about the iPad is you're just doing that one task at a time, and it's and it's keeping everything simple so that you're not forced to be the geek to like totally. go figure out all those shortcuts. Totally, yeah. I just wish that Apple would do more to to make more of this stuff more aware. And I think now they're doing it with like the education. Uh, they've got a bunch of like Apple Teacher, which I you know I joined a number of years ago. They've got you know they've got these learning sessions. At night, where um, you can learn about pencil support and stuff that stuff like that, but I wish they would do more for the kids to be like, "Hey, this is what is available." Because um, I don't do any of the the co- computer tech stuff of like, "Here's how you do this," unless a kid asks. Yeah, because uh, they're pretty resilient; they'll figure it out on their own. Right, they're curious. Any other kind of interesting apps do you use as a teacher in your your day to day, either the students or yourself? So you know, the the do I use any apps? You know, I. I the few apps that I use are basically the Apple stuff. I do use um, I do use Scribble Together, which basically lets the kids literally, as the title suggests, scribble together. Um, you can share a PDF. You can share just the screen. You can actually take the whole session and, and export it as a PDF. In terms of the students themselves, I mean, you know, I try to get them to use iMovie and use um, GarageBand and some of that stuff to when we're recording podcasts. Or doing short video, um, but there isn't so nothing that I do is really app specific as much as it's more of okay, what are we doing yeah. at that particular moment, and what do you guys need? Um, and you you know go explore you know go explore what the options are contained on the device. But yeah, I mean Apple Suite, the Keynote thing knocks out three or four different apps that 
you know, even Apple Notes. I mean, yeah. Apple Notes, you're importing PDF, you're marking up PDF, the scan to, uh, I was just telling a, a, a colleague of mine, you know, because they, they were trying to figure out how to get the document onto their device. And yeah, it's the like scanning thing in Notes or the Files app is just killer. Yeah, is, is awesome. And it takes the whole, and again, that's another evolution of the device, and you know. Is live tech something available on that eighth, like on the iPads? <laughs> So, so that's funny because we were at, we were doing a training the other day, and you know we went to go take a picture, and of course it works on the twelve point nine, you know the iPad Pros. It it doesn't work. I, I want to say it was on the it didn't work on the six gen iPad. It did, so I think it's only compatible with certain iPads now. Like it doesn't have the backwards compatibility. So. A couple of teachers in the training session were like, "Oh, I can't do that because they were using an older device." But you know, I think I think once we get into replacement cycles and folks get updated, um, updated iPads, like the I think the plan is to give teachers iPad Airs. You know, I think I think they'll they'll get there in terms of the live live photo. But yeah, I mean, the kids that was kind of funny because I think it was trending at some point, and I don't think the kids caught on. Where you could take a picture of somebody else in front of them and kind of, you know, copy and paste the answer. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like I wish that was around when I was in high school. But um, I know, right? <laughs> so I don't think they quite caught on to that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's you know, it, it it depends on the like depends on the iPad. I, I want to say that the most recent generations, the like seven and eight, definitely works. Yeah, I'm looking. At I'm now. not sure about um, five and six. So iPad 8th generation and later, iPad Air 3rd generation later, and then iPad Mini 5th generation. So it appears to be just pretty much the newest stuff. And, and it's... Is, is there a ninth generation iPad? Is that what I, we're I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Or no, I think I think that was the one that just came out, right? Yeah, Is that the so, ninth yeah. gen? So it's pretty new. So 8th generation would be the only ones that support it for your purposes. Yeah, I mean, but all the kids have iPhone 12s and iPhone 13s, right? So right, so they can do it there. They they could do it there, but they haven't quite caught on. <laughs> they haven't quite caught. You know, when I show them that stuff, they're like, "Oh, I wish I would have known." And they're like, "Yeah, well, we purposely don't point that out to you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else worth talking about as far as the students using iPads or using iPads and pandemic life with iPads or? Oh, I, I mean, I think I think the in terms of the pandemic, it was just sort of like for me, I, I didn't experience any except needing like Elgato stuff, you know, in terms of um, getting the key lights and the stream deck and having to go from it was kind of funny because I sold my MacBook Air in uh, whenever, what was the, the, when did the first iPad Pro release? 2015. So that's when I sold my MacBook Air and was totally, totally iPad. I wasn't doing anything on any other device um, in terms of a, in terms of a desktop or something like that. So pandemic hit and it was like, you know, the limitations on the iPad were just so, you know, I had to go back to I had to go back to a Mac. I had to go back to a desktop that could yeah, handle Zoom. Just wasn't full featured enough to do what you need to do as a teacher. No, and 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 also like the other secondary apps. You know, there, there was not enough like the Windows support and you know the limitations of sharing stuff and then coming back to it and having it all in one screen. It's kind of hard to pull that off. And when you think about secondary screen report uh, support, you would you know right. 
So yeah, if you have that, add that. That would be huge. If you do multiple external, or even just one external monitor, just just one. I just take one. Yeah, I just take one, and 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 get rid of the bars. So like, get rid of the four by three because like when you're presenting, there's nothing worse than you know you connect a Chromebook that's uh, you know the same price or just below that price point, yeah. and you get sixteen by nine. And you airplay an iPad to an Apple Pencil, to an Apple TV, and you get four by three, and you plug into a monitor, and you're getting this, you know, four by three support. Um, so like Shift Screen was great because you could do, and actually I'd reached out to them and said, could you add Google Classroom to like the support? And they were responsive, and they yeah, he's they great. updated. I've had him on the show; he's wonderful. Yeah, well, that's that's actually how I learned oh awesome about <laughs> some of those power because again you're, you're kind of you know in the, during that pandemic it's sort of like you need you need to know where some of this stuff is right because that's part of the curve yeah so we you know and I was thinking this morning between your show uh, Federico Fatici has has had a bunch of like adapt and uh, canvas before canvas that. Yep. right where he, he was with Fraser Spears and Fraser Spears had a had a great podcast with um, with Bradley Chambers where there it was like all education based and I don't know where that show went but it was great because you just kind of needed you, you you need to know where this stuff is and how do I work around it and so you come to shows like yours or or you go dig on YouTube and you're typing in like okay how do I share my screen iPads <laughs> Right, because it's not there. Or how do I screen record? Um, you know, because that wasn't there until recent updates. Yeah. So you kind of look for those shortcuts, right? Of or automations or stuff like Matt Matthew Castanelli. There was stuff that I took for like emailing my students back their grades through shortcuts because you can't send a mass email to students. Nope. So, so, and that was, again, that was even, that may have been actually, I don't, I don't know which one, but I had to email and, you know, be like, Hey, sorry to bother you, but do you think you can like share with me how you put together that shortcut? Cause you, you, all you want to do is send a mass email. You can't do that from an iPad. So having, having all those resources out there, it's great. So this shortcut, it, does it, it pulls in like from a spreadsheet the student's grade and sends them an email with their grade, or how does it work? So basically, what it does is it it um, now I don't use it as much because of schoolwork, but back in back when it was sort of like you pulled up a menu, you put all the kids' names in, it sent out an email saying, you know, go check this spreadsheet. Here's the URL for your for your grade, and then each kid would get a different spreadsheet. So it was like, it was impossible. I mean, it was not, it was not fun, right? Now Apple's caught on to that because, you know, and there were other things that I tried to play with. Like, how do I get kids to, you know, I I wish with, um, with the, whatever chip that recognizes all the iPads, I wish there was a way for someone just to take attendance, right? So I didn't have to like, go check everybody who was physically there. But if there was a way, so I tried to design a shortcut that would collect that information that failed because there are limitations within shortcuts. So, you know, it, it, it's sort of like you just hope that Apple just keeps evolving and, you know, great folks who hold, you know, who host podcasts like this just keep doing what they're doing and, and are available so that, you know, folks can get access to stuff that is the next level in terms of what they want to do in the classroom or, just with your iPads in general. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, any anything else you'd like to chat about before we wrap it up? I think we've covered a lot of grounds today. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think 
I think we're good. Excellent. Um, any social medias or anything you want to promote? Or? No, I mean, I, I do tweet at my name, so it's at Marco Markolovic. Um, I don't have a blog or a website or anything because I've always kind of thought of this being, you know, for what my students needed to get through. So I, I've not done any of that stuff in terms of self-promotion. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I tweet. So, you know, I take pictures of some of the stuff the kids are doing, um, use it for, you know, professional learning. So that's pretty much where, where I am. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mark, for your time today. It's been just fascinating learning about all this stuff. Thank you, Tim, for having me on. This is great. Well, that was my interview with Marco. My thanks to Marco for his time recording this interview. And my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. If you want to support this podcast, hop on the App Store now and download Agenda 14. Learn more at www.agenda.com. You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My great appreciation to everyone that currently or has in the past done that. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.